remember next Sunday we'll have our extended time of prayer and fasting for our lost loved ones, our lost children, especially for the lost within our midst. Um, we'll begin fasting sometime Saturday evening of next Saturday. The doors will be open here around 7, and we'll have a prayer meeting around 7.30. Uh, we're going to make room for everyone who wants to come. You're not obligated to come, but we want to make room and even make a room for us to get on our knees and humble ourselves before the Lord and pray for our children. Some of you may not be able to get on your knees. Some of you may not be able to fast for physical reasons. God sees the heart. Uh, so we encourage you, if you have a burden on your heart, to come Saturday night, and then we'll pray for Sunday. In fact, I'm preaching a sermon today to prepare us for next week. Uh, and I want to particularly focus upon parents who have lost children and you're discouraged. You're discouraged because now that you're saved... You would give up everything. You would give up everything you have for the salvation of your children or the salvation of a lost child. You pray and you pray and you have prayed. And it's discouraging because you prayed for so long that you wonder even if God is listening. You begin to doubt that he's going to hear you. Sometimes we pray for something so long. We begin to think, well, maybe it's God's will that they're not saved. And we need to submit to God's will and and thus we leave off praying. Wives, have you ever been in a car with your husband and, and you're talking away and you're giving all the great details of what went on and, and then at the end of all your explanation, you look to your husband and go, what do you think about that? And your husband goes... Um, now what? <laughs> and then after that disappointing response, you just don't have the energy left to go over it again. And you say, never mind. I want the record to show I never do that. <laughs> but I've been told very intellectual, smart contemplators do that all the time. But when that happens, when that happens, you become discouraged. And that's how we feel sometimes with God, with our prayer life. He hasn't heard us. And we've prayed. And, it, and it's important to us. And we've prayed. How long can you go before you quit praying? Can you go a week, 
two weeks, a month, two months, a year, two years, three years, ten years. Some of you have been praying for your children for 20, 30, maybe 40 years. And it doesn't seem like the prayers are working. How long can you do the same thing and say, it's just not working? And you say, well, that's just not going to happen. And you give up. And you become faint. And you become discouraged and weary. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 18. And we have Jesus giving us a parable of encouragement a parable to tell us not to faint or grow weary in our prayers. He knows how we feel. It's one thing to talk to someone who's physically there and you can see them and they're not listening, but it's another thing to pray to the living God who's invisible. And because we can't see God and we don't see his ear, we begin to think, is he even there? Sometimes we maybe even become tempted to think there's no God. Even Christians can be tempted with this thought, maybe there's just no God. He doesn't hear when I pray. Well, the Lord understands that you'll feel that way. He understands that we'll be discouraged in our prayer life. He understands that often He does delay. He doesn't answer us quickly sometimes, and he doesn't want us to be discouraged. He gives us this wonderful parable of this widow who won't leave a judge alone, and we, he, he gives us the reason why he's giving us this parable in verse 1, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither, neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him <clears throat> day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? on earth. And in this amazing story, this parable, we see three reasons why we're not to lose heart, why we're not to give up praying. The first reason we're not to lose a heart and to stop our prayers, if we're praying for a lost daughter or a lost son or a lost brother or a lost spouse or a lost sister, we're praying for someone or we're praying for our own salvation even. We're praying for a great need. Whatever the need is, the burden of your heart that, that drives you to prayer. It's not some superficial thing that you can live without, something you have to have an answer for. Whatever that is that you're, you're, that's on your heart that takes you to your knees. And every time you pray, you can't hardly not mention it. Whatever that is, you're not to give up praying. 
And this story the Lord gives us is of a widow woman. And he chooses a widow woman because in that time in society, there was no clout or status for any woman who doesn't have a husband. She has no legal representative. She's on her own. And we don't even know her name. She's not of hardly any importance. And here you have a judge of the city who has a high position of the city. He's very important. He interacts with other important people in the city. And this widow woman, she is of no importance to him. But here is the judge. The judge is not a regular judge. He's a judge that he's in a position because he's worried about his own status. He's, he's not just, he doesn't fear God, nor does he respect man. He's not in it because he's seeking justice in the land. Rather, this is a position of authority for him, a position of power to him. And he doesn't care about the little problems that this little woman may be having. She's having this conflict, an adversary may be suing her or taking her to court, or maybe she's been wronged in some way. And she needs justice. Her livelihood probably depends upon justice. But here is this judge that doesn't want to hear the case because it will not benefit his, his position at all. It won't do him any good. Why even hear it? He's too busy. He's too important. And the point that Christ has in contrasting this judge with this widow woman is to show us the improbability of the woman getting heard. But this woman must have been deeply wounded. She was in a position that she could not have heard no for an answer. She did her research and found where this judge lived, found where he stayed and went to his house and knocked on his door and pestered him. She was determined to continue to knock day after day after day until this judge heard her case. You've got to hear me. Now, the unjust judge does not represent God, but the widow woman should represent us. God is not unjust, but we're to be like that widow woman. We're to have the same disposition and fortitude and determination to get God's ear as this widow woman had. Christ gives us another parable to show us this very thing. In Luke chapter 11, in verse 5, he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I mean, I'm, I'm already in bed. It's warm in here. If I get up, I'll have to get my clothes on. It's cold. I, it's just go away. Go away. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend. Yet because of the imprudence, that is, the bold audacity, the shameless relentlessness, of his friend saying, hey, get up, I need some bread. Get up, I need some bread. He will rise and give him whatever he needs. This 
in the Greek, this word imprudence means being shameless, almost to the point of being embarrassing. In fact, you cross the line. You know, the reasonable people, reasonable people don't ask this way. Hey, 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 I got to have this. Wake up. Hey, I got to have this. I mean, after the first response, no, it's too late, go away, most people would have gone home if you're reasonable, if you have any sense of dignity. But if you lost your dignity and you have to have it, in fact, when you have to have something so bad, you'll lose your dignity. You'll lose what other people may or may not think about you. When you have to have it, you'll become a beggar and you'll, you'll look like the fool if that's what it takes to get God to hear you. Become that dependent. You'll cry out, you'll moan, you'll groan, you'll lose your sense of dignity, your words, and say, oh God, I have to have this request. You, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to be here day in and day out until you come to the door and give me what I need. You see, this widow woman was not going to take no for an answer. She's going to get what she needs. It says in verse 4, for a while he refused. This, this unjust judge, uh, go away. I, I'm too busy. But afterwards he said to him, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. She was a pest. Literally, she was nagging him to death. And the Lord's commending this. Remember Hannah? She wanted a baby pretty desperately. And it says of Hannah that she would go to the temple year after year after year. And it says that she has the same request of the Lord every year. Oh, Lord, I'm barren. I need a child. I want a child. Give me a child. Please give me a child. Praying for a child year after year after year. And how many years did the Lord say no? No. She goes home with no answered prayer. She comes back next year with the same request. Goes home with no answer. Year after year, she continued to ask the Lord. It is true we don't have because we don't ask, but it may also be true we don't have because we stop asking. We ask for a little while, but we grew weary. We, could, we left off pestering the Lord. Charles Spurgeon says, If we would prevail, we must persist. We must continue instantly and constantly and know no pause to our prayer till we win the mercy to fulfill to the fullest possible extent. But brethren, how many times we ask of God and have not because we do not wait long enough at the door. We knock a time or two at the gate of mercy and as no friendly messenger opens the door, we go our way. Oh, for grace to stand foot to foot with the angel of God and never, never, never relax or hold, feeling that the cause we plead is one which we must be successful 
for souls depend upon it. The glory of God is connected with it. The state of our fellow man is in jeopardy. If we could have given up in prayer on our own lives and the lives of those dearest to us, yet the souls of men we cannot give up. We must urge and plead again and again until we obtain the answer. We must have our little ones. We must have them. No amount of correction is going to save them. No amount of lectures is going to convert them. It must be a divine work of grace that changed their souls. Oh, Lord, you must save our children. We're not going to leave you alone. Day, night, the next day, the next night, we come to you until you hear us. If Hannah can pray for a physical birth and God listened, how much more should we pray for spiritual rebirth? You see, such persistence is effectual because it shows God two important things about us. One, it shows us our deepest longings. And two, it shows our faith. First, such persistence, nagging, embarrassing pleading, shows what we really want in life. My mother had a rule when I was a child, whatever I wanted something, or any of my brothers, we wanted something. Hey, can I get these or can I get that? It was always a week or two week wait. Come back in two weeks, and if you still want it, we'll talk about it. Oh, how it bothered me. <laughs> My mother knew in two weeks I'd be on to the next thing. She knew that I would be distracted, and it was just an impulse desire, that I didn't really want it that bad. So she had this two-week pause. Do you not think God knows that he doesn't need to answer all of our requests the moment we pray? You see, if we really want something and must have it, we'll go back the next day and the day after that. And, and this drives away all those uh, prayers that are amiss, those prayers for selfish things. We have a lot of things we want, but time seems to answer a lot of those requests. But there's some things we cannot give up on. God delays on purpose to see what we really want in life, what's really important. Some things we can't stop wanting. And if you're unconverted, you cannot, you cannot hear no on your own salvation. You can't. The Bible says, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. God's there to be found. He's going to answer that prayer. You just got to want it with all your soul. The salvation of our children is another thing we can't give up on. Nor should we give up on. 
Secondly, this shows not just our desires, our, our, our longings. It reveals, this persistence reveals our faith. At the end of the chapter, he commends this widow woman by saying, I tell you, he, the unjust judge, will give justice to them. God will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He's commending this woman's faith. She knew that the judge could do it. This continuous coming reveals faith. Consider the Canaanite woman. Came to God and says, God, come to Jesus. Would you heal me? And Jesus didn't pay attention to her. And maybe the Lord's not paying attention to you, so you walk away. You left. You have little faith. But this woman would not walk away. She said, listen, you have to help me. And then the Lord looked at her and says, it's not right for me to give good meat to dogs. The Lord called her a dog. You would think that would drive her away. The Lord's not going to hear me. He's already given me a no. He's given me delay. Now it seems like he's given me a no. But what did this woman do? I will not go away. Even dogs, dogs get crumbs from the master's table. And no matter if we are a widow or if we're a low in our own estimation, we're nobody, we're not a pastor, a missionary, we're not some important person, we're just barely a Christian by grace. That's all we are, which is all of us. You can at least say, I'm a dog. And at least dogs get crumbs. And what did the Lord say? Oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Do you have faith like this? I'm telling you, Lord, he says, don't grow weary. Do not grow faint. He's going to hear you. He's going to listen to you. Don't lose heart. Don't give up praying. Don't stop believing. I know sometimes you go, well, maybe there's no God. An unanswered prayer sometimes has led me to go, well, maybe this is all in my head. There's no real God. You know what I have to do when I get to that position where I just begin to doubt everything, doubt his promises, doubt his word? I come to the conclusion if there's no God, then nothing makes sense. And I'm like the apostles. If you don't have the words of eternal life, I have nowhere else to go. Which drives me back. And if God is God, then his word is true and his promises are certain. This is why we're given encouragement. Therefore, I tell you, whoever asks in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it would be yours. Does your request align with God's revealed will? Then you have the right to ask for it. I'm not saying asking for things that do not align to God's glory and God's revealed will. But this we know, salvation 
the salvation of ourselves, the salvation of our loved one, does align with what God desires and wills. This is what he would tell us to pray for. And he says, don't grow weary in praying for it. I will hear you. Continue to believe that God is going to hear you. Do not faint. Be encouraged. You see, the first encouragement here, not to lose hope, is God hears persistent prayers. Secondly, don't lose heart. The one we're asking is the one who says, don't stop. This is in verse 1, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Notice, this is not a third party telling us not to give up. This is God himself telling us not to give up. Imagine you need to see the mayor of the city, and you have a request that only the mayor could answer for you. So you're calling, and you're getting his secretary and he or she's redirecting you to someone else, and you can never get into the office of the mayor. You're sending emails, but there's no response. It seems hopeless. The mayor's too important, too busy to take time to listen to you and your request. And you begin to lose, hurt, lose hope. But the mayor's personal secretary says, hey, don't give up. Don't give up. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll continue to put the sticky notes on his table. You keep reaching out. And that would be encouraging if someone close to the mayor encouraged us not to give up. But what if the mayor said, hey, I'm hearing you. Don't quit asking. What would that do to your soul? What if all these prayers you prayed for this or that need, what if you had... God himself directly, objectively, not subjectively, objectively in his word, tell you personally, don't give up. What would that do for you? Now it would be encouraging. Jesus put it this way, we need to pray at all times and not lose heart. The King James says men ought to always pray and not to faint. The NASB says at all times we ought to pray and not become discouraged. The NIV says we're to pray and not give up. The Lord is telling you, don't stop praying for your daughter. Don't stop praying for your son. Don't stop. I'm listening. In Isaiah 62, it says this, I have set watchmen upon the walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night, yet they make mention of the Lord. Keep not silence, and give him no rest, give the Lord no rest, till he establish, until he makes Jerusalem a, a praise in the earth. That is, I've set these prayer warriors, these watchmen over the city, and I've commanded them to pester me, to pray. To give me no rest until I fulfill my promise. Don't give God rest. Keep knocking at his door. Keep praying. Keep struggling in your prayer life. Day in, day out, don't give up. 
God says he's listening. He says he'll answer us in due time. Mother, please don't be discouraged in your prayer life. Father, keep taking your children to the Lord. Do not faint or grow weary or become discouraged. It's not just a prayer, but the continual relentless prayers that make a difference. And this is the second reason we're not to lose heart, but to always to pray. It's God himself that encourages us to not stop. Thirdly, and this seems too good to be true, we all but need to believe it. God has promised to answer us. And your objections are already flying in your mind. We need to follow the Lord's example. It says, if it be possible, but not my will, but your will be done. You know, the Lord, when he prayed that, he already knew it wasn't God's revealed will. He knew he came to die. He's revealing his agony. He knew all along what God's will was. So let's be slow to use that one. I know there are some things the Lord will say, my grace is sufficient. But I promise you this, God is going to give you the best. He's going to do the best for his glory and for your soul. And not one good thing will he withhold from you. You see, in this parable, this is an argument from the lesser to the greater. Again, we're to, we're to be like the widow, but God is not like this unjust judge. This is not a comparison between God and the judge. The judge is a bad man. He doesn't care about the widow woman. And this is why in verse 7 and 8, it is a contrast. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he not delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. There is a great difference between God and this unjust judge. This unjust judge doesn't want to listen, doesn't want to hear, doesn't want to answer, doesn't want to help. But we have a living God who does want to answer, who does want to help, who is ready and speedily ready to help us in our time of need. The unjust Judge is not moved by love, but God is moved by love. The unjudged judge has no compassion, but your heavenly Father is very compassionate. God is eager. Do you believe this? God is eager to help you. He's always listening to your cry. Martin Luther says prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's laying hold of his willingness. Do you believe that? Keep going. Keep praying. He's a God of mercy. His ears are attentive to your cry. He loves you as his child. My family's not with us today because all my kids are, well, most of them are fighting a, a fever. Last night, little Evelyn running a fever. And I told my wife, who's not feeling good either, I'll take care of the children tonight. 
But you know how mothers are. The slightest little sound, up she is, tentative to care for the little one. That's how God feels about you. He loves you, cares for you. He's full of compassion upon his little children. Unlike the unjust judge, God has promised to listen. He's given us all this encouragement to come to him. Psalm 17, 6, I call on you, my God, for you will answer me. Psalm 102, 17, he will respond to the prayers of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. Psalm 105, Psalm 45, 18, the Lord is near to those who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. Proverbs 15, 29, the Lord is for, is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. You see, God tells us not to faint or to lose heart because he is a God who answers prayer. 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Believe that? What a promise. What a promise. John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. John 15, 16, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it. It seems like God wants us to know this. It seems like this is important, that God is ready to hear us, and he will answer our requests. We shouldn't think of God, well, maybe I'll get one positive answer out of 10. But most of the time he says no. That's not the way to view God, as he's stingy. No, if our prayers are good and wholesome and according to his will, I can assure you God wants his glory more than you do. I can assure you, God loves your child. God loves your child more than you do. God receives glory in the salvation of sinners. What if I told you that the almighty God, the creator of the universe, the one who has all power, the one who holds the stars in his hands, the one who says, nothing is too hard for me. What if I told you there's such a God as this, and this very God has given you a promise? Whatever you ask, he will give it to you. Don't lose heart. God is listening to you, and just because he is not yet answered does not mean he won't. A delay is not a no.
Martin Luther says, no one can believe how powerful prayer is and what it can affect except those who have learned it by experience. Whenever I have prayed earnestly, I have been heard and have obtained more than I prayed for. God sometimes delays, but he always comes. The Lord said this, he who puts his trust in me shall not be disappointed. Young person, you've asked the Lord to save you 10 times, 20 times. You've asked and you've asked and you don't think he's listening. He is listening. Keep asking. And I promise you, you'll find him. He will come to you. He will forgive you. He'll have mercy upon you. He's a gracious God. He's loving, he's kind, he's good to all those who call upon him. He's merciful. Mothers and fathers, we who've been praying for our children every night, every morning, God's going to listen. He told us not to faint or grow weary in such prayers. We may feel as if God is not hearing us. There may have been a long, long pause and delay. But I know, I know that God hears us. We're coming to, together next week. Start praying now. I want a revival. I want a work to take place in our day that the only person that would get credit for it is God. I've been reading through the book of Exodus. Over and over it says that they may know that I am Lord. Oh, may God do a work in our day so that we all may know that he is a God who answers prayer. Remember, God hears persistent prayers. God encourages us not to stop. And thirdly, God has promised to hear us. Amen.